Good morning, good evening. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you might be doing, we wish to welcome you to this episode of Just Another Conspiracy Show with your host, Jeff Williams. So, once again, we're gifted with a royal wedding in the upcoming weeks. But quite frankly, I don't care. I watch the news. I will probably take note of it sometime in the future, but... um, Yeah, not particularly interesting. I already had this show planned out for several weeks, and I'm going to go ahead with it because, interestingly enough, it deals with another form of British royalty. And just as the current British royalty depends on pop culture to get over their status as celebrities, we can use pop culture as a good barometer as to how people as a whole are considered. In particular, when we look at music. Older people look at the music preferred by the younger generations and wonder what on earth the people could possibly see in that noise. And if you're in that group, you have my sympathy. If you're not in my group, then please enjoy your own taste. Now, this episode is not meant to disparage anyone's taste in music, but rather to enlighten people on the music that they listen to and the ways it's manipulated to appeal to mass audiences. Now, It would be hard to find a band with as universal appeal and mass market acceptance as the Beatles in the modern day and age. Yes, the Beatles. Another import from Britain. Grand old Blighty, the home place of the royal family and the place where the British invasion started with the Beatles themselves. Um, From Christmas songs to catchy tunes about submarines, band was only together about a decade, and yet they revolutionized the modern music world. Probably take a month's worth of shows to really go over every single detail about this group. So this episode is really only intended to be a primer, a way to help you think deeper about the first boy band megastars to be presented to the world at large. Yes, they were a boy band. No matter what everyone tells you, this is deeply painful and deeply obvious from their first few albums, which concentrated on lighter, happy fare. In fact, their first album song, Misery, was almost not recorded, as it was considered too dark and depressing and brooding for their image. Yes, the Beatles were almost censored right from their very first album. And as they grew in popularity, they projected a personality, a persona, that supposedly promoted peace and enlightenment. But the fact is they had darker, more sinister sponsors on their med- in their meditation gurus and their supposedly higher consciousness. After all, this was a band the Illuminati had chosen to set forth their wor- new world order. In 1966, John Lennon proudly declared that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. In the 1960s, when most of the culture was still primarily conservative, and well before the Summer of Love, this was an inflammatory statement to make. At the time, 
Most of Western civilization was devoted to Christian values, with a Jewish minority and a very, very, very small enclave of other religions. So John Lennon's remarks took a shot directly at the prevailing culture of the time. That was all part of the plan. See, music has always had a powerful influence on people. In the 1960s, pop stars were emerging as the figureheads of cultural influence. Elvis Presley had already hit the big time a decade earlier. Bing Crosby was absolutely huge in the 1940s. And more popular singers had come before, but none had the status of the 1960s pop icons. To this day, the Rolling Stones still continue their careers. The Beach Boys still occasionally tend to get together. And if the Beatles had stayed together, it would be interesting to see what they would have produced. But we don't need a long legacy for the Beatles. All we need to do is look at what they accomplished while they were together. See, one of the most popular motifs in the band was Revolution. The song Revolution Number no. 9 has a very interesting lyric. Now, I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to attempt to assault your oral senses. I'm just simply going to read it. Because you know what? In English, the context really doesn't change much, depending on how it is sung or detonal. The meaning is still there. And the quote is, the quote is, it's all the same thing, in this case manufactured by someone who's upteen your father's, giving it diddly-dee. Diddly-dee, indeed. Yes, by that little bit of nonsense at the end, diddly-dee, it's trying to hide the fact that they're manufacturing a revolution, a change in the culture. You see, it's all a case manufactured by someone who's always umpteen your father, someone greater than your father. That's what they were trying to be. And that's that was exactly what happened. By changing the culture around them through music, the Beatles managed to make a revolution. They're appearing on TV and becoming possibly the first international group, by which I mean they had international appeal, they did influence their fans directly and subconsciously with their own lifestyles. Remember the long shaggy hair, doing drugs, and quirky philosophies that the Beatles espouse? Yes. They suddenly became the order of the day when the Beatles were at the peak of their popula popularity. They were the agents of change, a catalyst for a new world order. Now in the song Revolution, not Revolution Number 9, this was Revolution. Again, Revolution is a recurring theme. They managed to put together a relatively upbeat melody, as if it was cool to go along with the revolution. And you say you'll change the constitution? Well, you know, we all want to change your head. You tell me it's the institution? Well, you know, you better free your mind instead. Yes, that's right. It's not your mind. It's not the institutions. You just got to free yourself. Stop resisting what's going on around you. Now, they're not saying, don't try to affect real change in the world. There's no point to working to better our lives. You can only achieve any meaningful change in your own mind. Well, he, we here at Just Another Conspiracy Show, we advocate freeing your mind whenever possible. It's impossible to support the idea of abandoning, the changing the Constitution, or the institutions around us while freeing your own mind. That is a completely introspective look. 
and would ignore the significant happenings that are going around us and at the world every single day, every single moment. In fact, the Constitution and everything about it must be changed to protect our freedoms. Without causing change in the world around us, we fail to give ourselves the opportunity to grow and evolve. You can tune in and drop out like they tried in earlier times with communes and drug use, but the fact is your mind is subject to the influence of the, of the world. When you have pop groups like the Beatles telling you it's all in your mind and to ignore the world, that's a dead end. Yes, let's talk about Buddhists. They have a mostly peaceful existence, but ask the Tibetan Buddhists. They'll tell you peace of mind doesn't guarantee liberty of spirit. The Chinese control Tibet so tightly that despite the Tibetans trying to free their mind, the Chinese have rules forbidding Buddhists from reincarnating without government permission. Yes, can you imagine having to apply for a permit to reincarnate? But this is the amount of control the secular world and indeed the new world order wants to have over freeing your mind. So, just like last week when I went over the fact that Eastern governments tend towards monarchies, just, just as Western governments do, we're enjoying a brief interlude of democracy, the Chinese do want to monopolize your spiritual and mental freedom, and I hate to tell you, but your Western governments do as well. So, freeing your mind is simply not enough to escape from the world of laws and control. You have to be ready to stand up for your rights, stand up for your physical body and your mental body too, because those are what are interact with the world around you. But the Beatles weren't just about singing, singing, <laughs> not sinking, singing, although that's quite an ironic misstatement by my part, perhaps a Freudian slip. The Beatles also had some very interesting cultural and diverse album covers. The Beatles' very first album, Please Please Me, was mostly filled with upbeat lyrics about dancing and love, except for the aforementioned misery. But the album cover is very revealing. If you have the chance, take a moment, pull the album cover for Please Please Me by the Beatles up on your computer. I'll give you just a second to go along with that. Please Please Me by the Beatles. Hit that into your Google engine, which I hope is readily available. And the first thing you'll notice is the group is looking down at you. From their perspective, you, the fan, the person who's buying their album, the person who's supporting them, are beneath them. But it's kind of like one of those puzzles where they used to give us, where you look into a painting, you see something else. Adjust your eyes just a little bit, and the stairs are spiraling together behind them, as if they represent a whole. The band is now looking up to you from the abyss, and the blank space where their logo was superimposed on would represent the lowest level of the abyss. Now, with revolution on the mind, and album covers that clearly have symbolism deeply embedded within them, the Beatles were purposely designed to bend perspective, and Paul McCartney proudly proclaimed in 1966, There they were in America, all getting house-trained for adulthood with the indisputable principle of life. Short hair equals men. Long hair equals women. Well, we got rid of that small convention for them. Perhaps they grew too tired for morals. That's right. The Beatles were more popular than Jesus and devoted through revolution 
to removing the morals of sexual norms. And goodness knows what else. It's all in the perspective. See, from their perspective, the Beatles, the morals they were going up against were wrong. And they were out to subvert them, just like they did with their album cover that could be seen from two radically different perspectives. And that was one thing that they always did through their life, whether it was consuming drugs by the truckload, whether it was going against social marriage conventions with Yoko Ono, who I will cover in a radically different episode much later in time. But they were always about subverting perspectives. Now, again, if you'll take a moment, Google Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. It's another album that I highly recommend that you look up its cover. Remember, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by the Beatles. Now, take your first impression. It's a vibrant color in the foreground, highlighting the Beatles themselves and a floral scene. But behind that, there's a sea of black and white faces. Now, those faces, those visages, are supposedly their influences. Their influences include a Leicester Crowley, a noted Satanist who developed the modern philosophy as do as thou wilt, and that shall be the whole of the law. In other words, self-indulgence is the highest moral for Crowley, and in turn, the Beatles. Aleister Crowley also believed in blood sacrifice and human sacrifice. These are pers- there are persistent rumors he, managed- he strangled an assistant to death during one of his rituals. And since he proclaimed himself the wickedest man in the world, this is quite possible. Oh, and Aleister Crowley was also noted for one thing, his manic drug use. At one point, apparently, he was taking enough morphine to just kill an ox. However, there's other influences present there. You have Aldous Huxley, who pictured, who is not only a novelist, who you might have heard of, was also noted for his views on globalism and eugenics. You're familiar with globalism if you tuned into this show at all, but in case you're not familiar with eugenics, it was an early 20th century movement designed to encourage selective breeding and the elimination of undesirable traits. That's right, the supposed peace-loving Beatles who are admirers of Satanism and eugenics do what thou wilt and ensure the survival of the human race through weeding out supposed weakness. Eugenics quite often took the form of racism, and eugenicists were very proud to tie themselves into the upper class of that human race, naturally. After all, the Illuminati has to keep proving itself superior to the rest of the world, not only to others, but to bolster their self-esteem. Another face that really shows the worldview of those who were interested in pushing the Beatles was William S. Burroughs, a a very controversial individual, and he is on the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Band. He shared a passion with drugs along with Aleister Crowley. He was awarded the Order des Arts et des Lettres for his lifelong devotion to subversion, and uh, yeah, he also shot his wife to death and Mexico. But he was able to bribe the officials to escape a murder charge. But the fact seems to be he shot his own wife. So, on this cover, you have three of the people who are well known for their subversive belief, the advocation of elitism, and murders. There's also a fourth person, 
Gandhi himself. Now, initially you might think, oh, Gandhi's not, not such a bad guy. Well, I'll examine him in a future episode, but the fact is the Beatles initially wanted to include Hitler on the album. But of course, in 1960s, 1970s England, the war was only a 20-30 year memory. Just like us remember the first gold, first Gulf War today, that was a memory of the 19 or sorry, 1945 World War II in their day. And they wouldn't have it. However, they did include Gandhi. Now what does Gandhi have to do with Hitler, you might say? Gandhi and Hitler were pen pals of the fashion. Gandhi and Hitler exchanged correspondences several times, and I strongly urge you to read them. You can read them from Gandhi trying to be reasonable with Hitler, or you can simply read them as they were intended, where Gandhi is really trying to talk to Hitler and come to some sort of understanding between the two. Now, all three and all four of the people mentioned, because Gandhi only kind of fits into my equation, have less than complimentary views of women, seeing them as second-class citizens. Hitler was no angel. Gandhi certainly didn't treat females as even. William S. Burroughs killed his own wife. And Aldous Huxley? <laughs> women were breeding chattel. So, far from the harbingers of peace and harmony for the summer of love, the Beatles were in fact pushing a quiet hidden agenda of submission to tyranny, escape from sorry, consciousness, and elitism. Now, a curious coincidence is that Sergeant I. Pepper, sorry, sorry, Sergeant L. Pepper is an anagram for Apple Serpent. Oh yes. Another hidden message is the Beatles are going to give to you is as a serpent mentioned the Bible of Genesis, the book of Genesis, the very apple the serpent gave that tempted Eve to betray God and bring Adam along with her. The Beatles were there to tempt you through music and dance and bring you over to the side of the Illuminati. The Beatles were never really counterculture. No, no, nothing even close. Counterculture doesn't get paid on, played on major played on major radio stations, nor go on the Ed Sullivan Show. Countercultures that advertises as managed culture. It's an old tactic by which parents give their children something they will perceive as wrong, so they will rebel in a constructed way. The Beatles were precisely that, a tactic by the Illuminati to make people rebel in a constructive way. By embracing Satanism and eugenics, the general public would be more ripe to allow the overthrow of traditional values and lead us to our modern age where seemingly anything goes. Let me publicly state there's nothing inherently wrong with sexual preference, sexual desire, your own personal life. However, I have no way of knowing how much my own opinions have been influenced by this whole movement as it was in full force before I was even born, and I suggest before most of my audience was born as well. But the real clincher is the Abbey Road cover. Now, the Beatles might have been musicians, but the impetus behind the group was purely satanic in its form. We're not going to go into the old canard about how the Abbey Road Beatles album cover pretends death to anybody. It seems pretty ludicrous they would cover that secret up for decades amongst several wives, members of the band, etc. However, the Beatles do show themselves crossing a black and white crosswalk 
towards the east. Now, traditionally, walking across darkness to the light and towards a source of wisdom, which traditionally began in the east. They are in search of their own wisdom and the way that the Illuminati would have them go. Now, look behind the Beatles, and all the cars are in the background, except for one white Volkswagen Beetle, which is about at head level with the rest of the group. A beetle amongst beetles, a play on words, a visual pun, something that should definitely warrant our attention. Volkswagen, of course, was stationed, was started in Germany. Volkswagen is literal translation is a people's car. However, to go into the head offices, unlike a Lennox, unlike a carrier, you're not going to see a picture of their founder. That's because the founder of Volkswagen is Adolf Hitler, the man who has left off the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts album cover. You see, it's because the Beatles had a hidden love for elitism, mass death, and the subversion of culture. They put that love for mass death in plain sight in their lyrics, in their album cover, and in their daily life. Now, that being said, music is always subjective. It is designed to convey meaning at a subconscious level. The Beatles were only making their statements in music clear to us in their art, their interviews, and their legacy. So far from the architects of the summer of love, the Beatles were instead harbingers of our modern age of distrust, immorality, and compliance with, with the Illuminati. Their albums about love had multiple perspectives and indeed multiple, have, per, multiple personalities. In their albums, love became hate, hate became love. Looking in the mirror subverts your view and gives them exactly what you want them to be. After all, it's spread all over their lyrics. Now, Stand Up by Pike Pryor is the theme music for this show. And while we use it against a non-lyrical version, I highly recommend you to listen to their lyrical version if possible. Special thanks to the some space book, even funnier considering who this group is, who this podcast is inspired by. A view from space, for one, is a great Facebook group to get to get in touch with. Spooky, weird, and cool is another one. Great discussions, great posts, and <clears throat> an entirely different class of discussion. And creepiness, cryptids, and urban legends is another one. They have supported us from the start. We welcome each and every member of that group that gets behind the show. If you enjoyed this show, the author has several books available and more on the way. The Secrets of Solemn by Jeff Williams and Cemetery Island by Jeff Williams are available on Amazon Kindle for only 99 cents. Coming soon will be Age of Ashes and Blood, all of which will be very compelling reads. But Secrets of Solomon is currently the only non-fiction book, although another is going to be available for release later this year. But most of all, thank you for allowing just another conspiracy show into your house this very day. <laughs>